Hello out there, and welcome to the Friends Like Films podcast. I'm Britt. And I'm Greg. And this is the podcast for you to hang out with us for a bit while we discuss a movie one or both of us loves. And it's our first episode of 2022. We made it! We made it! Yeah. 2020 part three. <laughs> Good God. Yeah, right? Uh, God. Um, but we we saw each other for New Year's Eve. We spent New Year's together. Yeah, very fun. It was very lovely. Um, and you had how your Christmas was. We had to reschedule it, but we got it done. We got it done. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I got my Turbo Man. Yeah. So, if people, listeners, if you haven't <laughs> hadn't seen our Instagram, we posted Greg finally got his Turbo Man. Yeah, we we had mentioned it in the holiday episode that that was like something because I love Jingle All the Way. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies, and as a kid. Um, I, I like wanted that toy and I think my mom told me they didn't make it, but it turns out they did make it in 1996, but they also re-released it this year and my brother got me one for Christmas. What is, what's, what, what kind of timing is that? We just did the episode. And it was not planned. I don't, like, I don't think he listens. So that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I hope listeners, I hope you had a nice holiday season. Um, and you're starting the new year off strong, or as strong as you can be in these <laughs> in these trying times. Yep, yep. So I feel like I've I've started episodes like this, unfortunately, so frequently recently. Um, but we just lost two giants in the entertainment industry in the past week. Um, Betty White passed away. Um, as and today, as we're recording this, Sydney Poitier passed away. Um, as well, just two giants, titans in the entertainment industry, trailblazers. It's such a loss. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sydney Poitier, obviously iconic. I mean, often referred to as like the first black movie star in Hollywood. Um, and then Betty White. I mean, the number of times, like, I felt like she became famous five different times. Yes. In her career. <laughs> like, she never stopped being famous, but, like, she had these, like, reinventions for, like, various different generations, like, when they discovered Betty White. Like, I don't know anybody else that's had that type yeah. of fame. Yeah. Betty White, um, as a woman, was a trailblazer in the entertainment industry. She was the first woman to produce a national television show. Um, first woman to star in a sitcom. First producer to hire a female director, like... Did so much for women in the entertainment industry. And Sydney was the first black man to win Best Actor at the Academy yep. Awards. I, I've seen the tributes roll in today from people like Viola Davis, um, Octavia Spencer, uh, Denzel. Um, that, that clip from Denzel winning uh, Best Actor back in 2002 um, at the Oscars resurfaced uh, today. Yeah. Where Sydney was also honored with um, what do what it do was they like call a lifetime it? Lifetime achievement. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, and Denzel's like, I'm always going to be following you, Sydney, and it's like such a <laughs> such a pleasure. Um, yeah, that's like an iconic uh, speech, like acceptance speech. I've seen that Denzel one multiple times. Mm-hmm. So they will be very missed. They lived lu- lucky for us, very long lives. So yeah. Thank you, Betty and Sydney. Over the holidays, we've been watching a lot of TV and eh, mostly movies, though. I'm looking at our notes here. We've watched a lot of movies. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going down the list, we watched Encanto together. You had already seen it, but you watched yeah, it again. I've, I've watched Encanto multiple times. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really like it. No, really, honestly, I... Um... I enjoyed it. I don't know if I would have watched it multiple times if you hadn't seen it or if you had seen it. Right. What, what am I saying? I don't know. Like, I had already <laughs> seen it, but the fact that you haven't seen it at the time, I was like, okay, I'll watch it again so yeah. I can see it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I can't, there's a couple of the songs that are like really like earworms. They're like stuck in my head all the time now. The Bruno um, song. Yeah. Yeah. We don't talk about Bruno and the first one too, the family Madrigal. Like, that one also gets stuck in my head all the time. Like I even read an article, I think in Variety or something like that, that were, that people were like, "Why didn't Disney put We Don't Talk About Bruno up for best like original song?" And they didn't. It's like, 
no, they didn't. Like, but hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, maybe they just thought that wasn't going to be the hit. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Did they put any songs up from Encanto? Yeah, I think the one towards the end. I'm, I'm, I might be wrong on this, but like the one yeah. towards the end where they're like telling the story of the grandma and the grandpa, like how he died, and like they have that that slow, like kind of emotional song. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a that's a song you nominate for an Oscar. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. Sure. Okay. Uh, we loved Encanto. Um, I just watched Coda. Um, I was so late on it. I'm planning to watch that one with my mom uh, because on my mom's side of the family, deafness runs in the family on my mom's side. So um, she knows sign language and all my cousins and everybody all know sign language on that side. So I want to watch it with her because she can maybe have some context. Like she grew up with a lot of deaf people around. It is so, so good. And I, it, it, as you know, there's just so much content to watch and I wasn't like dragging my feet or avoiding it. I just hadn't gotten around to it. And I really think it moved up to like my number two, number three spot in my favorite movies from 2021. Like I loved oh, wow. it. Loved. So let me know when you watch it with your mom. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping I'll get to it soon. Yeah. What are some other standouts of movies you've watched the past couple weeks? Um, well, we watched sort of together, uh, Pig with Nicolas Cage, <laughs> which I really loved. I don't know what you felt about it. It was New Year's Day. And I was very tired, so I fell asleep like 20 minutes in, not because of the movie. I was very tired. It is, it's not, not the fastest movie, uh, pace wise. It's definitely kind of a slow burn, but, um, I actually really loved it. And it's showing up on a lot of people's like favorite movies of the year list. Um, it's not what I thought it was. I, like, I thought it was, it was, it says it's a thriller, but then I didn't know. I didn't really think it was a thriller. Um, then I thought maybe it was going to be like a John Wick style movie. Cause like his pig gets stolen and then he goes on like this revenge tour, but it wasn't even really that. Um, I don't know. It's like, it kind of, it was just very interesting, very unique movie. Like they fabricate this like underground chef, like fight. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> which I'm, maybe that happens. <laughs> I don't know, but there was like this yeah. whole, like, there's this whole, like, uh, like mafia style restaurant world in Portland, apparently. Uh, I don't know how much of it's based on truth, but it's, it was interesting, at least. An interesting setting. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, the restaurant industry can be pretty cutthroat. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some, like, weird shit going down. Like, <laughs> maybe not to yeah, that I level, mean, but yeah. 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 Um, I, I remember hearing about, like, um, I had a few friends that were bartenders, and you hear about, like, industry nights where they, like, close yes. down the place. And it's only people in the restaurant industry come, and, like, those are apparently, like, the wildest parties. Yep. Um. So who knows? Maybe they have a fight club too. <laughs> Maybe they do. Uh, <laughs> um, I went to see Licorice Pizza as well. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson's latest film. I was very excited to see it, and it's um, gotten s- the the reception on the movie is pretty split. From what I've been reading, there were some. Um, Elements of the time. So the movie takes place in the 70s. So there were some cultural um, elements of the time stuff put into the movie, as well as there's an age difference between the two leads. So some people were uncomfortable with those bits of the story. Um, I could see that. It didn't bother me. Um, I... And I'm being very vague because I don't want to spoil anything, but I will say, like, I, I really, I enjoy it. Like, as a, going in, knowing it's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, like, I, it delivered on that. And if you like his style of filmmaking and his stories and the, and the messages in his films, um, it's not always black and white and it's not always rainbows and butterflies. It can be a little uncomfortable. Um, I really liked it. That's good. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but that's one that I do plan on watching as well. Um, I'm like at least intrigued. I don't know. Like, like when I saw the, like, it's, I don't know if I was just looking for movies to watch. I don't know if I would have been like, Oh yeah, I'm really excited for that, but I'm intrigued by it. Yeah. I mean, the trailer was so great. Yeah. I mean, good music choice at least. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, the, the only other thing I want to mention that I've been watching is on Netflix. Uh, Cobra Kai season four. 
Um, People love it, it. Yeah, it's like it's like one of those so bad it's good situations. Like it feels like I'm watching like a Disney Channel show, like in the way it's written and the way it's like acted in some ways. Yes, but like it's cheesy in all the right ways, in the same way that the Karate Kid movies were. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you're not watching it for the for the great writing or whatever you're watching it for the nostalgia. Like they bring back a character from the movies or this person betrays that one. And this one switches sides and then there's a karate fight. And it's like, you're just, it's like, you know, just fun, low, low. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I don't have to be too invested in it. I can just yeah, like, low stakes. Kind of, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do we know anything about the future of the show? Are they, do they plan there on making more? Season. There is another there is. season. Okay. Yeah, there's going to be another season. They kind of reveal that at the end. Spoiler alert of okay. season four. <laughs> a nice spoiler. If you like the show, it's a nice spoiler. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, more more movie news. I I can't believe this. And it's a the Hollywood Foreign Press is a trash organization anyway. But the Golden Globes are happening. Um, episode. We'll see if anybody watches. <laughs> well, they're not, they're not televising it. That so ju- just happening. That just came out today or yesterday. Yeah, they're not televising it. Um, no. Yeah, well, so they might stream it online somewhere. We don't know yet. Um, don't don't care, honestly. Don't care. <laughs> I will uh, talk about the films that are nominated. So drama. We have Belfast, Coda, Dune, King Richard, and The Power of the Dog. I've okay. seen. I've those, seen all of them. All good movies. I haven't seen Power of the Dog yet. I know you really loved it. It's my favorite movie of 2021. I'll yeah, get to it. You'll get to it. <laughs> um, if I had to pick my personal choice from this list, who I would want to win, it would be Power of the Dog. And who do I think is going to win? Either Power of the Dog or Belfast. So we'll see. Belfast feels like the kind of movie that like they would pick. That's why I said that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, musical or comedy? Because Golden Globe splits it. We have Cyrano, Don't Look Up, Licorice Pizza, Tick Tick Boom, and West Side Story. I haven't seen Cyrano yet. Neither have I. I did finally watch Tick Tick Boom though. That's one. That's I was trying to remember. There was another thing I wanted to put on the what we've watched. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, right. It's great. Andrew yeah. Garfield was great. Um, if I had a pick from the ones I've seen, who would I want to win? Uh, I, mm, Tick, Tick, Boom, or Licorice Pizza. I can't choose between the two. Who do I think they'll give it to? I think Tick, Tick, Boom might take it. So we'll see. I could see it. We actually have three musicals in this category this year, which Hmm. is, which is pretty wild. So... We'll see. Some TV news. New trailer drop for Pam and Tommy on Hulu. I can't decide if I'm if I'm. I am I'm not, I'm so down. I, I don't know. Like I'm definitely not excited, but like maybe I'll watch it. <laughs> it just it looks bonkers. It's from the the people that brought us Itania, which I love. Right. Um, Lily James transformation into Pamela Anderson looks so good. I don't know if it if it's gonna be one of those it's so bad it's good shows or what, but I'm definitely gonna check it out. I mean the the actors are good. Sebastian Stan's great. Yep. Um, Seth Rogen. Yeah. 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 So see so it's got a chance. It's got a chance. Some more casting talk rumor news. Um the book The Devil in the White City, which I love and is about the real life serial killer H.H. H. Holmes in Chicago around the Chicago World's Fair. Uh, Scorsese's been behind adapting this forever and Leo has been behind it as well. And Leo was in talks to play H.H. H. Holmes. Now it looks like Keanu Reeves might be tapped to play H.H. H. Holmes in that, which I'm just happy it looks like it's going to be made <laughs> finally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I like Keanu. I think he could do a good job as a serial killer. Has he ever played a role like that before? Maybe? I don't Off know. the top of my head, I can't think of one. Um, but the book is so good. Um, so I hope this is finally getting off the ground and getting made. That'd be cool. Yeah. 
Um, another weird bit of news: Chris Evans is playing Gene Kelly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> weird, but it's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just never would have thought that he would be playing Gene Kelly. I think he's producing the movie, so maybe. Oh, is he? That, maybe that's how that got that, that casting got done. Got um, it. But I think I read that the the he may not even be the lead. I, I don't know. There's not a lot of information about what the movie is going to be, but it's like it's about a kid who like wanders onto the movie set. And like has this imaginary friendship with Gene Kelly, oh. or something. Who, like is in this. So like, I think he's not. It's like I'm. I'm wondering if it's going to be like a Jojo Rabbit situation where like Taika Waititi <laughs> was was Hitler, you know, <laughs> and he wasn't really there. Right. Um, That's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. We'll see how big of a role that Gene Kelly piece actually is. I, like, I don't know. That's the that's the only thing I know about the movie is that it's about a kid with an imaginary friendship. So And it's Gene Kelly. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> I've been loving the reactions on Twitter of people that are just coming out of the woodwork and like defending Gene Kelly and being like Chris Evans, you will never like you will never be him. Like you will never be Gene Kelly. <laughs> he's not trying to be him, he's just trying to play him in a movie. <laughs> I know. I didn't expect such a visceral reaction from people. Like they were like Gene Kelly, like ultimate talent and sex appeal. Like you can never be this. Okay, boomers. <laughs> but I think it's like Gen Z. Like it's it's wild out there, guys. I don't know. <laughs> the last bit of news before we get into the movie of the episode, Morbius. I know this is so sad. It got pushed again, you guys. You're gonna have to wait until April. Yeah, I. I'm starting to think that movie might just suck, and that's why. Oh, keep you're just around. you're just starting to think that movie sucks. <laughs> I mean, now? it could have been decent. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It could have been decent. Every time something happens, though, I think it gets it gets worse in my mind. <laughs> I mean, if I think of this logically, they pushed it because of COVID, right? Right. But but if it was, re- but people are going to like I. <laughs> I know. As, I don't, not just I don't want to go to the theater right now. People are going. Yeah. Like things are shutting down, but not really. It's kind of a weird situation right now with that, but yeah, I don't know. Like it didn't stop Spider Man, didn't stop a lot of other movies. Yeah. So yeah, what are you I- saying about your movie if you don't feel confident putting it in theaters right now? It sucks. It's yeah, gonna suck because the really good ones, people will still go. Yeah. So no one's surprised there. <laughs> I think that's our the end of our movie news chatter. Do you have anything else? That's all I got. Cool. Let's get into our movie of the episode, which it's my pick, and we've made it over a year of doing the podcast, and I haven't done this film. And when I thought about starting the new year, our first episode, um, I wanted to do a comfort movie for me, um, a movie that if I need like a little, a little like hug from the movie I'm watching. This this is definitely one of them for me. We're talking about uh, 2012's Silver Linings Playbook, directed by David O. Russell, which I will say I know there's – David O. Russell is not a perfect human being. Nobody is. I, I We've heard the stories about him being a difficult director to work with, Amy Adams having a nightmare of a time on American Hustle, uh, George Clooney having a nightmare of a time working with him, and – other allegations and it's also produced by the weinstein company which is also (laughs) boo but if we only did movies on this podcast that were like squeaky clean we would eliminate like 65 percent of movies that we love unfortunately so yeah hollywood in general (laughs) uh we'd have to avoid (laughs) yeah so i just wanted to say that i am aware guys but it doesn't stop me from loving the art that is made yeah and i just want to say brit picked the movie it wasn't me guys blame her (laughs) (laughs) so yes this movie came out way back in 2012 it's celebrating its 10-year anniversary in november just kind of wild to think about and other movies that came out that same month just to name a couple you had life of pi wreck it ralph and skyfall good movies I have a funny story about how I saw this movie in theaters. So it was Thanksgiving weekend and I was visiting my now in-laws in Connecticut. 
And I was going with Colin to see Skyfall. We get there. The movie theater is packed. We're in the lobby. We find out Skyfall is sold out. And we're like, let's see this, this Silver Linings playbook. It looks like a sports movie. Like, I didn't really know anything about it. And then we turn around, and guess who's in the theater lobby? Peter Dinklage and his wife. Huh. I know. There you go. Yeah. And this was in where? Connecticut? Connecticut. Danbury, Connecticut. Huh. Hey. There you go. Um. So, yeah, I saw this movie by accident, pretty much. Yeah, this was like peak Game of Thrones time, too. So Peter Dinklage was a big star. Yeah. Or maybe it was like two seasons in or a season in, something like that. I think we were two seasons in. Still, he was on top of the world at that point. Yeah. So saw this movie by accident. Very happy accident. Um, David O. Russell also was the screenwriter. Uh, adapted it from the book, The Silver Linings Playbook by Matthew Quick. Um, David O. Russell said Which he- I- yeah, I actually read that when they started adapting this, the book had not been released yet. They like sold the rights before the book was even out. Really? Yeah. I guess somebody really loved it. That had of it. That has to be not the norm. No, definitely not. I, I don't know how they even found out about the book if it wasn't out yet. Like maybe somebody knows the author. I don't know, but that's what I read. That's wild. Yeah, David O. Russell said he re- rewrote the script like oh, twenty times over five years to get it right. Um. This this movie could have looked really different. Uh, researching it, um, David O. Russell initially intended to make the film with Vince Vaughn and Zoe Deschanel. So it would have been like a like a comedy, right? Like quirk, quirky Zoe Deschanel. Like yeah, I'm picturing like like Vince Vaughn in the breakup with Jennifer Aniston, and then Zoe Deschanel in like Yes Man with Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah, like very different, very different tone. Yeah. But thank God he went on to make the fighter instead, so that, that didn't come to fruition. Yeah, which I actually like the fighter. Yeah, great movie, great movie. Um, Anne Hathaway was was cast as as Tiffany, uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character, but she had scheduling conflicts with The Dark Knight Rises um, and some creative differences, so she dropped out. Creative differences, quote unquote. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, Could have warned J-Law. Yeah, right? Uh, hey, this was like the breakout movie for her. I know she had Hunger Games, but this really was. Yeah, and David O. Russell in particular became fascinated by her. Yep. He used her in a bunch of movies after this. Abs- um, American Hustle, Joy. Um, yeah. I, I think-, think another one, but I'm not thinking of it right now. Yeah. Those yeah, two yeah. in particular, yeah. Yeah. He loves, you know his group of actors that he works with. Um, but other actresses that were considered for uh, Jennifer Lawrence's role were Elizabeth Banks, Kirsten Dunst, Angelina Jolie, Blake Lively, Rudy Mara, Rachel McAdams, uh, Andrea Riseborough, and Olivia Wilde. So, like a lot of people were auditioning for this film. At yeah. The time. He was like, just, just give me a list of all the, all the beautiful actresses and we'll pick one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and he was wary about casting Jennifer Lawrence in that role because of the age difference between her and Bradley Cooper. Um, but it, I don't know, like she auditioned and it just, it just clicked for him. And, and like, I don't think it came off in the movie that there was like a huge age difference or like that that was awkward at all. No, I didn't think so either, personally. The score, soundtrack, Danny Elfman. Um, he frequently works with Tim Burton. He's Danny Elfman. He's done a ton of uh, movie scores and soundtracks. Um, budget, $21 million, and it made $236.4 million and was nominated for eight different Oscars. So this movie was pretty huge. Yep. Um, off the top of my head... Uh, reasons why I love this movie. Um, like I said, it's, it stars Bradley Cooper playing, uh, Patrizio Pat Solitano Jr. And he is, when we first see him in the film, he is getting signed out after an eight month stint in a mental hospital by his mom. 
Um, we don't really, in the beginning, we don't really know why he's been there. Um, no, but you know pretty much immediately that he probably shouldn't be getting signed out because he's <laughs> faking taking his medication. Yeah. Because you see him, like, they give him the, the pill in the little paper cup. Yeah. And, like, he immediately, he turns around and, like, spits it out when he goes around the corner. So you're like, all right, this guy's clearly ready to leave. <laughs> yeah, hides it under his tongue and, like, shows yeah. his, you know, the old oldest trick in the book. Um, he... And so he goes home with his mother. He comes from this, um, Italian family. Um, so I guess me, uh, being half Italian, I, I totally, and I'll get more into this, totally, like, there are things in Robert De Niro's character, Pat Sr., that I'm like, this is my dad. Like, this is absolutely my dad. Like, the little, like, neurotic OCD things he does. Yeah, superstitions and yeah, yeah. God, I'm like, that's my dad. So uh, Pat is dealing with um s- some diversity in his in his life um adversity. A- sorry, adversity. <laughs> I mean, I assume he's dealing with diversity too every day. He's Every day. Sorry. Fuck. <laughs> 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 adversity. Um this is why this is a two-person podcast. Um Yeah. But he he comes out of this mental hospital and he has this personal motto, Excelsior. He's just like, I'm going to keep looking for silver linings. I'm going to turn my life around. And he has this uh, quote unquote goal of getting back with his ex-wife, Nikki, who he says he's still very much in love with. Yeah, he says, but we know that he's, he's, well, we, at the time, in the beginning of the movie, we don't know what the event was that caused him go- to go into the hospital, but we know that there's clearly some mental illness and yes. he's very fixated on getting back with his wife. Yes. Um, he's, he's getting in shape. He's running around with trash bags on to, to stay fit. He's reading his, um, his ex-wife's an English teacher. So he's reading like her, her syllabus of books. And we get to our first favorite, my first favorite scene in the film is, um, when Bradley Cooper's character is reading Hemingway's, reading A Farewell to Arms, and he's like, you could tell he's like staying up until late of the night to finish this book. And he closes the book and he just goes, what the fuck? And he throws it out the window. <laughs> like through the window. Through yeah, the, window, the window. Breaks the window. And he walks into his parents' bedroom. They're like, they were asleep. They get woken up. And he's just rambling on about this book and how like, Life is hard enough as it is, and like the ending, like yeah, why, yeah. Why couldn't it just be a good ending? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> the wife dies. Um, and Robert De Niro says something like, um, "You need to like apologize for waking us up." And Pat Pat Junior goes, "I'm not going to apologize, but you know who I will apologize on behalf of? Ernest Hemingway." Because yeah, he, because like he's the, apologize. yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. he's the reason for all of this or something. Um, yeah. But we soon find out that um, he's diagnosed with uh, bipolar. Right. When undiagnosed for many years at the therapist's office. So we, we kind of get the first sense of how this uh, bipolar affects him when he's triggered by his wedding song being played in the therapist's office. Right, which then the therapist like immediately admits that he did it on purpose just to see if it was still a trigger. Which, yeah. like, okay, maybe you needed to do that as a test, but like, did you need to do it? Did you need to ambush him in the lobby where there was other people around? Like, like right? that seems like kind of a fucked up thing to do. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's also I I love his therapist. I think he's so funny. But when he shows up later in the movie at the Eagles game. And he's just like pa- kind of partying with Pat and his brother. Yeah. Well, Pat even says when he first yeah. started, he's like, are we even allowed to be talking right now? Like, what's the deal here? And he's like, today we're just Eagles fans. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love the relationship with him and his therapist. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very funny. Um, we eventually meet, um, Ronnie and Veronica. Um, Veronica played by Julia Stiles. Um, Ronnie played by John Ortiz. So uh, Ronnie and Pat have been friends for a while. And it seems like, you know, they're like that couple that was friends with Pat and Nikki when they were married. Right. Yeah. It's Nikki and um, uh, Veronica were clearly very good friends. Right. So they they know that Veronica still stays in touch with Nikki. 
Right. So Pat reconnecting with them is basically really, he's immediately looking for a way to get back in contact with his wife. We find out she has a restraining order. Um, so he's not supposed to contact her, but he's just trying to any way he can get around it. So he's thinking he can use them basically as a way to contact her or a way to find out how she's doing or get any information. Yeah. Um, So I don't know if he's at that point, I don't know if he's really interested in actually rekindling the the friendship with them. He's kind of using them. Right. Um, It doesn't seem genuine. I do get the sense that he and Ronnie are on some level real friends. Like, yeah, the way they were interacting with each other and, and Ronnie was pretty open with him about how his marriage is doing and how he's not feeling happy and is pretty stressed out. And yeah, I got that vibe too. Yeah. But we meet, um, at this dinner, we meet Jennifer Lawrence's character for the first time, Tiffany. Which I read that that character was initially written as more like goth and dark. Okay, yeah, I get that by the by the the outfit she wears, like the few outfits she wears in the beginning. She wears kind of like gothy black lace like style yeah. outfits. Yeah, so they kept some of those elements in, but they they had to, they toned it down. Um, so <laughs> when they meet, um. You get another glimpse at Pat's really poor social skills also. Um, like he immediately asked her, like, how, how did Tommy die? So, because she's a widow, we find out. Yeah, he has like no filter. Like, whatever no filter. Is on his mind, he just says it. Yeah. I love their blunt conversation at the dinner table about the different medicines they've been on over the years. Yeah, and it's clearly making everybody else uncomfortable, <laughs> but they're both bonding over it. They're both bonding over it. I love that. Um, Pat walks Tiffany home after the dinner. She makes, she t- makes the line of like, you can, if you want, like, you can come back with me and you could fuck me if you want, if you turn the lights off. And you're like, what? And he. Yeah. And I think that like turns him off at first. He's like, what? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I'm married. And she's like, right. so am and, I. And she sees, she, well, yeah, but she sees through his bullshit like right away. She's like, well, but you're not. Like, you're. You're not getting back with your wife. She knows it already. Everybody knows it except for him. Right, right. Um, so Pat's kind of, like you said, like going around, like having having dinner. Like his his life right now is to get Nikki back. Like he thinks they have this right. great love. He he he. So this friendship he starts to form with Tiffany at first is kind of superficial because it's just a way to get closer to Nikki. Right. Well, she says, "Hey." Like, she offers to do the letter thing where she says, like, hey, you know, like, I could probably get a letter to, to Nikki, like, through my sister. Like, we see her sometimes. And um, I don't know what her motivation is at that point. Like, I don't think – was she already thinking she wants him to be the dance partner? Like, I don't know. I don't think but so. That's, but that's what the arrangement ends up being, right? That that he, she'll deliver a letter to Nikki if he agrees to do this dance competition with her, which is something she's been working on. Um that she feels really passionate about. So that's the deal, right? That that if yes. he comes and practices and does the dance, she'll deliver the letters. Yep. Um, and yeah, I guess he goes for it. But again, he's still not, his whole focus is just getting back with Nikki. Like he's not, he's not trying to improve himself for the sake of improving or for his own good. He just, the only goal in his mind is to get his wife back. Yeah. And I think we, Right, what comes right before her agreeing to do the letter thing was when they go out on Halloween to the diner. Right. And Tiffany is opening up to Pat about, um, why she got fired from work. And she turned to sex, um, after Tommy died to just, it was her way of like dealing with grief or, or whatever it was. She was sleeping with everybody in the office, men and women. And Pat took like, interest in this and like a really um not compassionate way which is like kind of like in a gossipy way right but also i think it was that was the first time that like they had i thought that they there was like a romantic chemistry there where i was like oh okay these two like can really connect on a level where they can talk about anything you know what i mean like they because at first it wasn't i didn't i didn't get like like gossipy or creepy vibes like because he was like oh wow, i could never talk like this with nikki like nikki would never want to talk about this kind of stuff and like he was interested but she obviously like i think she kind of enjoyed talking about it at first yeah but the way he was like 
can I ask like you something were, else? Like, and she's like, yeah, sure. Okay, maybe. And he's maybe like, got a little. Were there any women? And she was like, yes. And he's like, oh my god! Like he was getting like turned. <laughs> he was getting like turned on by okay. hearing yeah, about yeah. her sexual exploits. Um, and then it t- and I I can't remember ex- the exact words, but basically, um, Tiffany uh tells Pat that oh yeah, uh, Veronica told Nikki you came over for dinner. Um, and right, he he gets upset when she they he doesn't like the two of them being lumped together. Like, I forget exactly how it comes up, but he's like, well, well, that's not good. And she's like, what do you mean, not good? And he's like, oh, well, I, you know, I just don't think that, like, associating us two together, like, that's just not going to send the right the right signal to Nikki. And she's like, why? Because we're both crazy? Yeah, like, basically, she's like, yeah, Veronica said, you know, you were you were fine. And and she, and she he was like, what, is, what do you mean fine? And she's like, you know, like me. And he's like, like you? Like, God, I hope not. Like, basically being like, you're insane and I'm like a better kind of crazy than you. Um, and then Jennifer Lawrence has the great scene where she like freaks out and like shoves everything off the table and like leaves the diner. And yeah. It's ho- and, and like that, like was, I don't want to say use the word relatable, but like everybody's the main character in their own life. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. You never want to think you have it, like you're, that you're the that you're the the craziest, or like that you have, like you know what I mean. Like you don't want to think that you're that bad off, right? So he's so he's trying to make himself feel better by saying like, well, at least I'm not as crazy as this lady, right? Right? And yeah, and she's like, well, that's horribly offensive, <laughs> exactly. And she's <laughs> which, like, which it is, it is. But like that thought, that thought in his head is like, I feel like not an unnatural thought for people to have, where it's like, oh, okay, well. Because you're like people are selfish, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're just worried about yourself. You're worried about how he's worried about how he appears to everybody else. Right, right. And for him, um, he somebody with no filter, like that thought right, just yes. Yes. just Thinking came out. out. Loud was not the great, not a great decision. <laughs> right. So um, it's Halloween night. They leave. There's people all around, and basically Tiffany makes a scene with Pat, um, and then basically saying he's harassing me. And then the cops pull up. His parole officer pulls up and is like, hey, what's going on? Like, you want to go back to, you know, the hospital, whatever. And uh, Tiffany really sees um, the, the what's the word I'm looking for? The state that Pat's in and how not well he is. Right. And in. then she, and she, she saw that he was losing it, basically. Like, this yeah. situation was sending him over the edge. He was about to have a freak out. He was freaking out. He was. And He was hearing and, his wedding song again. Right. And the cop is there, like, threatening to send him back to, where was it? Uh, Baltimore, where the hospital was. And she's like, oh, I created this situation in some, well, in some ways. Like. Yeah. You know, her, her storming out of the restaurant wasn't necessarily unjustified. But, like, she didn't, like, making up that whole thing about harassment. Not cool. Was, yeah, she crossed the line a little bit there. So Definitely. She re- she realizes that and then pulls him out of that situation. She says, no, 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 it wasn't no big deal. Yeah, exactly. And I love the scene where she tells him, like, like it's just, like, it's a song. Like, are you going to let this song control your entire life? Like, it's a song. It's not, like, don't make it a monster and, like, calms him down. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like the way that um, they portrayed kind of um, – episodes and kind of panic attack ish situations in this movie felt um just very um especially this one very like claustrophobic and overwhelming and um i think they do a good job so um tiffany and pat um train together for this double stance competition that happens around christmas um and in return like you said tiffany will give nikki a letter from pat we learn how Tommy died um, and it links back to why she dealt with his passing the way that she did. Um, It was because they were going through a rut in their relationship. Uh, Sexually, he was a cop and he went to Victoria's Secret to uh, pick up some lingerie to get something going. And he stopped on the side of the road to help somebody with a flat tire and he was hit by a drunk driver um, and that's how he passed away. So, um, Tiffany, so more of opening up to Pat. Um, I love the girl from the Northern Country montage scene. Um, basically just because I love that song with Bob Dylan and Johnny Cash. 
And the scene with Danny played by Chris Tucker where he helps them spice up their dance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, God. Yeah, we haven't mentioned Chris Tucker yet. Um, no. He had a great scene in the beginning when when the mom picks him up from the hospital and he's like, oh, we're going to take my friend Danny home. And we find out that Danny actually snuck out of the hospital. He's not <laughs> supposed to leave. So that's like our introduction to Chris Tucker as a character. And then he shows up again and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm out. And like he wants to learn about the dance. And he like he sees that they're dancing like, to white people basically and he's like no let's let's spice this up a little bit <laughs> yeah he's like girl you need to move your ass oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good um so pat is he's getting into this routine uh, building this relationship with tiffany but again this like thing with nikki is still there under the right about the surface really right and there's a couple scenes with his parents like building up that they are concerned about him, that the Nikki thing is not healthy. And then they're also, I mean, and it's, it's coming from a, a place of them caring about him, that they are worried about him spending time with Tiffany because of her history, which they've all heard about in like the neighborhood or whatever. And so they, they're concerned about him. And so the dad, you know, his dad's always trying to convince him to spend time, watch the Eagles. His dad is, is like very superstitious about the Eagles yeah. And he's like, stay and watch the game with me. Stay. Like, don't go, don't go do whatever crazy thing you're about to go do. Like, stay with me. Yeah. Um, and so that leads up to a scene between Pat and his dad where he, he basically says, you know, I wish, I wish we had spent more time together and maybe it's my fault. The stuff that you're going through and like, you know, I really, I focused on your brother and I was busy with this and like, you know, I blame myself and, you know, I should have, I should have spent more, more time with you. And, um, and De Niro really breaks down in that scene. And I read that that was actually improvised. He didn't, he didn't, uh, the script or it wasn't in the script for him to cry in that scene. Yeah. Um, but he really, he really let it out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cause he's De Niro, I guess he can do it. Yeah. I mean, what a, a natural organic moment for that character to cry for in that scene. Um, yeah. Can we talk about Robert De Niro's character, Pat Sr.? For a minute in this movie, um, Robert De Niro was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for this. Um, he lost to Christoph Waltz for Django, which I, I'm not mad about. Uh, yeah, that could have gone, <laughs> e- gone either way. Christoph Waltz was great in that movie. Yeah, um, but I love Robert De Niro in Silver Linings Playbook. Um, his relationship with Pat... Um, the way he has his like scheme going with his bookkeeping and he's very like OCD with his envelopes and the, and you know, everything's in order. And when he watches the Eagles game, he's like always turning the remotes and positioning them just right. And like holding his handkerchief and (laughs) yeah. yeah, yeah. He he calls it the the juju, the Eagles juju, the Eagles juju. You can't mess with the Eagles juju. Um, And again, coming from, um, a father who's Italian and a big sports lover. Like I was like, yeah, I get this character. Like this all makes sense to me. Um, and I really feel like De Niro, not that he ever dials it in, but I really feel like he, he nailed it in this one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so- yeah, absolutely. He, that, this leads up to, um, he, he wants to like show faith in Pat. Like as a as a gesture of goodwill, he wants to say like I believe in you, and I think you can succeed, and that you're doing well. And so he bets basically everything, his entire all the money he has, the money that he's using to like start a restaurant on the Eagles versus Giants game. And he sends, he says, Pat, you're gonna go to the game with your brother. Um, played by Shea, played by Shea Wiggum, by the way. Right. Who I think we that's not when we meet him. We meet him earlier, and there's like a scene. <laughs> Where he basically, it's like the first time he's seen his brother in a while, and he's like talking about all the good stuff that's happening to him and all the bad stuff that's happening to his <laughs> brother. And you're like, dude, shut up! Like, yeah, like what the hell? Like, Stop! Such a douche. Like, but um, I, I mean, I understand. That's, I mean, he, he definitely they played it like he was a douche. But I've, I've been in a similar situation once where I was at a funeral, and, and after the funeral, they had like a little reception i guess like food or whatever and i there was somebody there i knew and like we were just talking about like what was going on in our lives and at the time like i had gotten a new job and i was moving and i was like oh yeah like you know really exciting things happening or whatever and like i realized that i was like like the tone of the room like i was not matching the tone of the room you know what i mean and i was like and then i realized i was like oh, like i should probably stop talking about how great my life is right now or whatever. <laughs> and 
and like I felt really bad. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that I don't think that's what the brother was doing here. I think the brother like really was clueless, but Yeah, same. Um, yeah. Um I like I empathized with with even though the brother was the douche in that scenario, I empathized a little bit where I was like, "Oh god, it's so like cringy. Stop, stop." Yeah, that. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's so cringe. So cringe. Yeah. yeah, so like you were saying, they go to the Eagles game together. Eagles Giants. Um you get a taste of I've I've never been to a NFL game in my life. Really? Never, yeah. MLB, NHL, NBA, never NFL, yeah. Hmm. Um so tailgating. We get the tailgating scene. Um did it was it accurate to you? Did it Yeah, I, it seemed a little like Well, I don't know. I have never been to an Eagles tailgate. I know Eagles yeah. fans are notoriously rowdy, so maybe that is what it's like in an Eagles tailgate. I'm a Jets fan. I've had season tickets for the Jets for years with my dad and my brothers, and like our, our tailgates are way more toned down than that. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, although there are some, there are some sections like there, not where we park. We generally, I think, the section where we park is kind of a little more, I guess, reserved. But um, there are like some party buses where they have like DJs, and like you have to buy tickets to even be part of their. Whoa. Like they sell tickets to be part of their tailgate, so you can go in and like. Oh yeah, there's they'll have like these big inflatable things to like signal where they are and flags so you can find them and like they're serving up a ton of food, like a DJ. They've got the game on. Like if you you don't even have to go into the game, you can just right. hang out at the tailgate. They've got the game on TV. They have satellite on their bus. Damn. So, oh yeah, yeah. They, like they, it happens for sure. Wow. Um, I did, but they made it seem like at the Eagles tailgate that this was like the entire parking lot was like this. Yeah, that's know. what they maybe, made it seem maybe like. It is. Maybe yeah, it is at the Jet game. It's like. <laughs> scattered throughout they have these big tailgates okay um, but most people are just like you know hanging out by their car maybe you have a grill you grill up some food like nothing really too rowdy okay yeah you, they have like buses of people coming in everybody is you know a bunch of people painted faces painted bodies just like having a blast um yeah that does happen i just don't know if it's as common <laughs> as they made it seem <laughs> um pat and his brother run into um his therapist at the tailgate um yeah, I, and it was funny because they say at first the brother and his friends say they make they're making like racist comments when they pull up. They're like, "Oh, look, the Asian invasion!" Because like the the therapist is Indian, no. and and like so, you know, as if they're not cool with that. And then as soon as Pat realizes that it's his therapist, and they start drinking together, like the brother walks over and he's like. Hey, like we're best friends. Like let's drink, and they like start talking about like, oh yeah, we gotta like our running backs really gotta be better, and like we gotta like we really gotta shut down the the pass, like the 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 over the middle pass, and like as soon as they bond over the Eagles, it's like the whole all all of it was just forgotten. They become best friends. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like um, his brother was doing like the, you know, the the subtle racism that. I mean, it wasn't that subtle. They said yeah, Asian I guess invasion. It, yeah, I guess it wasn't that subtle. But, you know, like, he thinks it's harmless, maybe, to say Asian invasion kind of thing. Right. Like, we don't associate with them. We make a few jokes, but we're just not, like, it's not, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> then we not, get. Not that that's an excuse. That's still pretty bad. But <laughs> Yeah. But then we get some other people who are just downright racist and mean to his therapist. Right, yeah, they, yeah, not only are they racist, they want to fight anyone that's a minority and remove them from the yeah like i don't know they're not real eagles fans i guess right and, yeah. pa and pat's on probation he's like i cannot get involved but then his brother ends up getting uh pulled into the fight right. and that's when pat's like that's my brother fuck this and yeah, really yeah. starts and throwing I, and down. I love that parallel that the, that the brother and his friends were like being mildly racist to begin with and then they're the ones defending the, the def defending the the asians yeah <laughs> from, from like and uh and like not really defending I mean, it was like a brawl at that point but they jump in on the side of the minorities that they were previously making fun of exactly um because they bonded over the eagles and yeah pat so pat sees his brother getting beat up jumps in and like really wails on a guy and then gets arrested yeah um, so that kind of messes up the the eagles juju he goes back home and his dad has a real big freak out yeah like, what did you do oh you loser oh you, you screwed it up i lost everything okay yeah, bullshit. Yeah, which um right. He was also he was he was supposed to be with Tiffany after the game. Right. So, so that that was the other element. Is he gets arrested, he not only did he mess up the game and his dad lost all his money, but he missed going to practice with Tiffany. So Tiffany then shows up like very not happy with <laughs> with Pat. Yeah. 
does an amazing speech. So she storms in, and of course, uh, Pat Senior, Robin De Niro's character, is like fuming, and he's like, "Oh, this one, like this Tiffany Maxwell stuff, like basically blaming you know her for everything." Blaming her, yeah, that she messed up the juju. She messed up the Eagles juju, and then Jennifer Lawrence goes into this amazing speech with all the receipts. She's like, "On this day when Pat and I went for a run, like the Eagles, like beat blah blah, like has all the scores, all the information." Goes through this whole thing, and at the end, uh, Pat Senior's like. You know, I didn't like her before, but I gotta say, I do. And, yeah. And, and Pat <laughs> so you gotta say, I gotta say, I like her now. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, you like her now, Dad? He's like, I gotta say, I do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't believe her, but now I believe her. <laughs> and uh, honestly, the, the, the secret star of that whole scene is the therapist still, who comes back to the house to defend Pat, where he's like, because he wants to defend him to his parents, where he's like, I know what the parents are going to think here. And so the therapist is there saying, like, it's not his fault, it's not his fault, like, he's okay, I swear he was just, like, defending us, and like, and yep. I'm like, yes, that is, a, that's a that's true a, friend right there. That's right? a good therapist. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, love him. Um, so, we haven't mentioned uh, Randy. So, Randy, played by Paul Herman, is uh, Pat Sr.'s friend, but also foe, and they do a lot of, like, the betting, sports betting yeah, together. Friends, and I, I get the sense that they're, they're yeah, they're in, kind of in business together with the gambling. Yeah. And they they probably bet against each other for fun most times. Yes. But, and and I assume are gambling addicts because otherwise, why would you take a bet like this from your friend where you basically take all of his money? Right, um, and, and I love how we <laughs> we find out that Randy also bets against Tiffany's dad too, because yeah. in this scene she's like, "Oh, Rand- like shut up, Randy! Like you get off on it! Like you get off on taking his money! Like you do with my dad all the time!" Yeah, yeah. Um, and Randy is a huge um, Cowboys fan, America's right. team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they decide to settle the whole thing with um, they basically offer a, a double or nothing on on all the money with Randy, <laughs> and so they're trying to decide how to how to settle it. And what they decide is uh, is is to do a parlay. Which when I saw this movie the first time, I did not know what a parlay was. But now that yep. sports gambling is legal in New Jersey, and I can do it on my phone, I very much know what a parlay is. Oh, wow. um, where basically you can combine two different bets. So you say, not only do I want this one thing to happen, but I want both of them to happen and they'll pay out much better. Cause you, you know, the more, the more items you add to the list, the better the payout is. You need more yep. things to happen. It's obviously a lot harder. Um, so the parlay that they decide on is that the Eagles are playing the Cowboys in the last game of the season. So the Eagles need to beat the Cowboys and then they're trying to decide what the other end should be. And, they say that Pat and Tiffany need to score over a five in the dance competition, which we find out is is a is a pretty big feat because they're basically going up against professionals. <laughs> when they walk into the lobby of the dance competition at the hotel and they see some of the dancers that are like warming up or whatever, they look like dancing with the stars, professional dancers, and Randy just dies laughing. He's like there's no way you guys are going to get a five or better. Like, look at these fucking dancers. They're insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So, I mean, so we, so the Eagles, uh, the Eagles win. Um, oh, you know what we forgot to mention is that Pat realizes he, he, he freaks out when they make the parlay. He says, this is way too high. This stakes. is I'm toxic. Yeah, yeah. This is toxic. I'm out. He doesn't want to do it. And so they decide the way that they're going to convince him to do it is to lie to him and tell him that Nikki, his his wife, is going to be at the competition. That's how they think they have to convince him to get there. Um, but while that's ha- while they're plotting to lie to him, he realizes that the letter he got, he, he wrote a letter to Tiffany and he got a response all delivered via, or no, no, he wrote a letter to Nikki yeah. and Tiffany delivered it. He gets a response. He realizes in the heat of the moment because of the things that Tiffany is saying that she's the one that wrote the letter. He never actually got a response. She probably never even delivered it. Right. And she wrote the letter to him saying like, you know, maybe we'll be better off separate. And I'm not really seeing if it's me reading the signs. That's the, that's the, that's the key word that like clues him in that it was right. by Tiffany. Um, that, you know, glad to see you're doing well, but I'm not sure if we should get back together, blah, blah, blah. So he realizes that Tiffany wrote that. 
And, um, and so then they lie to him. They say Nikki's going to be there. He shows up at the dance. And then when they get there, Nikki actually shows up. Um, Veronica and, and Ronnie bring, they actually bring Nikki. And yeah. so Tiffany then freaks out. This, yeah. And if you, if you didn't realize already that Tiffany was having feelings for Pat, you find out at this point when she sees the wife and she's like, Oh shit. Like now I'm upset because I was actually, I was hoping that we could be together. Right. Yes. Um, so Tiffany, uh, pounds a few vodkas, um, before the competition. Um, but they, they managed to, uh, get it together for the, for the dance competition. A very, um, eclectic choice of music. Um, yeah. It was kind of like a, a, what's the medley? A medley. Various songs. Yep. (laughs) Some white stripes, um, you know, uh, I think a bit from Dancing in the Rain is in there, so it, it varies. Right. And everybody else is doing, like, the tango. They're not doing... Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so they're, they're watching the scores come up, and you're like, ooh. And some of the other dancers, they're like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, t- you know, it's tough. And yeah, I end that's up, a lot of fours. That's, that's, that's a lot of fours, so. yeah. <laughs> um, but they end up getting a 5.0, which is the minimum they Even. needed. Yep. Um, they win the bet. They win the bet. Family's freaking out. Like they're freaking out. They're so happy. They the Eagles won, so they win the bet. Um, Tiffany um, ends up pretty much dipping um, because she sees Pat talking to Nikki. Um, and this is my other, my final and other favorite scene in the movie. Um, Pat goes up to his dad and it's like, "Where's Where's Tiffany?" And he's like, she left. Um, and he's like, you know, you don't, you don't gotta listen to me. I didn't always listen to my dad. Um, uh, I don't know if Nikki loves you, but, she, but she's ever loved you, but she doesn't love you now. But like that girl really loves you, like Tiffany. And he's like, um, when life reaches out at you at a moment like this, it's a sin if you don't reach back. And it's like, and he's like, don't fuck this up. And it's just such a great pep talk between Pat and right. his son. And, and- and then, and then we find out that he, he knew that he had realized that, that Tiffany wrote the letter. And when he was talking to Nikki, he was actually telling Nikki, we're not getting back together. I'm done with you, basically. Yeah. Um, and so he goes and chases after Tiffany and he says, he, ha- he wrote a letter for her and it says, you know, I know you wrote the letter and I love you. And I knew the moment I met you and they sorry, it took me so long to catch up. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they kiss in the snow and then the movie ends with, all of them, um, Sunday game day. Watching the Eagles. At the house. Um, um, Danny's there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Watching his mom make crabby, uh, crabbies and homemades and, uh. Yeah, what are, what are homemades? So, I was reading, um, about that and I guess it's egg-based homemade pasta. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's that's Silver Linings Playbook. It's just yeah. It's a it's a it's a fun movie, and also I mean, at times it's not very fun, but like ultimately, I think it's a fun movie. Yeah, you know? yeah, it is. It's overcoming hard times. It's about the people that help you get through those hard times. Um, I think he says that in his voiceover at the end, like everybody that was there for me during this time. Yeah, and I think there's, I don't know if it's a trend, but, like, I, f- I think that a lot of movies that kind of try to, like, address mental illness end up not, they don't always end on a great note. Like, there's always, like, some kind of bittersweetness to it. But this one just pretty much has a good ending. Like, they end yeah. up better than they were. And I'm like, that's I think nice so. to see. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no one died. You know, no one. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, um. It's great. It makes me so happy. It's definitely one of my comfort movies. Um, and I'm glad that we started off 2022 with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's in contrast to the way the year is starting. <laughs> uh, Omicron! <laughs> Damn you! <laughs> yeah. Um, this podcast is our escape, so we can um, do whatever we want and just try to ignore everything else. Yeah. And uh, and speaking of escape, our next movie is one that I find to be a great escape. <laughs> I like that transition. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, it is a classic and one that I was shocked the other day to find out that Brittany has never seen. 
it is dodgeball. Well, <laughs> no, I <laughs> wish. You know, maybe I'm actually thinking maybe now we should switch to dodgeball. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, we're gonna stick with uh, a classic of the '90s and of all time. I would say the Mel Gibson. I, I was going to say classic again, but I don't want to say classic again. So I don't know what I must. It's a classic though. Mel Gibson, Braveheart. <laughs> 1996. Um, yeah. It won Best Picture, everybody. It did. It did. And Brittany still hasn't seen it. And I still haven't seen it. So that's going to change. It's the kind of movie that like it's, it's on TV so much that you've like seen parts of it, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, I've definitely seen parts of it. Yeah. I've just never sat down and. Watched it all beginning to end, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of long. Is it a long but, one? Yeah, long-ish, but it's, it's worth right. it. It's enjoyable the whole time. There's not really like a, you know, to quote South Park, say what you want about Mil- say what you want about Mel Gibson, but the son of a bitch knows story structure. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're always saying about Mel Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But everybody, thank you so much for listening. To our first episode of 2022, um, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please like and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And email us at friendslikefilms at gmail.com. Yeah. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.